With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chairman Mao. Jamie Howe. Ho Chi Minh. Asif Din. Vaslav Havel. Graham Savel. No Surrender. Percy Fender. Welcome to Gorilla Cricket. Uh, December the 3rd, I sees the release of Inside the Tour, the Ashes 86-87. It's the definitive story of that extraordinary tour told by Mark Pugach by those who were part of it. It's a terrific listen, uh, and you'll find it at, uh, via your usual podcast provider. One of those who was not just there, but became man of the series, is my guest on Gorilla Cricket today, Chris Broad. Chris, welcome to Gorilla Cricket. Thank you very much, Tony. Uh, well, six test hundreds in your career, I counted. Um, four of them were against Australia. Uh, was there consciously something special for you every time the ashes rolled around? I would like to say yes, uh, but unfortunately I played against Australia in England and didn't, fear, didn't do quite as well as I had in Australia. Uh, I think the pitches in Australia suited me uh, better than the pitches uh, here in the UK. And basically, I think, you know, I was just, I had a purple moment. And, uh, and for that 18-month period, you know, I very rarely failed in, in pitches in Australia. And it was just uh, a magic moment. Well, some purple moment. Well, before we go on to that series, remarkable as it certainly is, I wanted to just take you back to your debut, actually, because uh, that was at Lords against the West Indies. You got yourself a 50. Uh, now, that series, as we know, went horribly badly, really, for England. But you were facing Malcolm Marshall, Joel Garner, Michael Holding, uh, admittedly in a losing cause. You made yourself a 50 on debut. Didn't you feel after that series, crikey, things can only get better from here? having faced that sort of attack? <laughs> you know, I, yes. I mean, I was I was so delighted to receive a call-up 
to to play because I think it's uh, every English cricketer's dream to play for their country. And I was very fortunate having moved from Gloucestershire to Nottinghamshire, uh, you know, that season in 84 and so quickly been given a, a call up to play for England. I was I was just enjoying the moment. And uh, sure, at the end of the season, when I wasn't selected to go on the tour of India, it was very disappointing. But we were, cast your memory back to those days where we were very much in a horses for courses type selection yeah. uh, policy. And my forte was, uh, allegedly, was uh, against fast bowling. So to play against the West Indies, uh, was a, a forte of mine. And I think the selectors also had a, a view that the West Indies bowlers didn't bowl particularly well to left-handed batsmen. Um, I'm not sure that that was proven in that series, well, but, no. uh, you know, I was just delighted to have played and very disappointed at the end of the season when I wasn't given a chance to to go on tour. But, well, maybe that you know, disappointment fueled what was to come. So let me just remind people about the... Uh, 86-87 tour. Uh, obviously, England won against the odds, uh, 2-1. You saw England over the line to win the first test in Brisbane after a few wobbles. <laughs> not but your wobb- not yours. <laughs> wobbles wobbles well, around yeah, you. There were some of mine as well, yes. <laughs> right. First innings. Yeah, well, true. Uh, you then went on to become only the third Englishman after Jack Hobbs and Wally Hammond to, to score three consecutive Ashes test hundreds you got the 162 at the wacker in a drawn game 116 at adelaide and then crucially 112 at the mcg uh, to, for england to win by an innings uh, i guess one question is it, it, amongst all of that fantastic purple spell for you um, do any of those stick out more than others yes uh the the 100 at perth your first 100 is is always a very memorable moment and uh, my parents were in the crowd uh, during that test match. So uh, the fact that we won the toss and batted on an, an absolute road and an outfield was uh, like glass was just an absolute delight. And um, yes, I mean, it's, it's very sad, I suppose, in some aspects that test cricket or a top level test cricket will no longer be played at the Wacker, but it has a very special place in, in my heart people might be glad of a bit more shade but other than that i agree <laughs> those playing I, I i i i agree with you and you mentioned your 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 parents which i recall you'd said before and i i can only imagine how that must have felt for you and indeed indeed for them uh, well now nobody gave england much of a chance did they and yeah england prevailed and you magnificently so was there any moment during the series when you suddenly thought things have clicked here that we are going to we are going to do this um, yeah, when we went 2 0 up at Melbourne with only one to play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, honest, there are no triggers, uh, though, sort of. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't the media coverage then that there is now. So the build up to it was an England Australia clash, not the Ashes, although it is. it was the Ashes. The, the media hype about uh, England Australia clashes now is enormous. Mm. Um, so, and it was my first tour, and it was a tour to Australia, a country that I'd been to before and played some club cricket. So I was looking forward to it. And, and where I said that I, 
Uh, it was every cricketer's dream to play for England. It was certainly every international cricketer's dream to uh, English uh, cricketer's dream to play in Australia. And of course, to win in Australia would have been the cherry on top. And uh, and so it proved very, very much so. Well, it, there was, of course, that famous quote. This must have followed you around. Of course, you've got the perfect riposte to it. But uh, but the, the late Martin Johnson, who'd written, of course, that uh, I mean, it wasn't a great warm up for England. Um, you know, you'd lost a couple of no. series. Australia hadn't won a series in seven, I think, since 84. It was remarkable. So they they were struggling. You described them, I think, as a merging rather than a poor team, which I thought was was good, was kind of you. Um, but Martin Johnson famously said, you know, the famous quote, can't bat, can't bowl, can't field. Did that poke a bit of a fire amongst the players on the tour? Uh, do you know, I think we took... Uh, an enormous lead from the senior players of the tour. Um, Martin Johnson was probably right because, you know, we didn't score very many runs. Uh, we didn't look like a, a team that was going to be able to bowl out a, a, an international side. Uh, and some of our fielding was pretty average. Um, but the first month of the tour... Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, was uh, desperately trying to find some form, but for the other guys, was just acclimatising to a country that they already knew. And uh, I will always remember Ian Botham standing up at our pre-test match uh, dinner <clears throat> and giving us a right rollicking and saying, you know, what's happened in the last month has now happened. This is where the tour starts. And, of course, he went out and he got 100 uh, Gower got some runs, Lamb got some runs. You know, the senior players came to the party. Well, I'm very and- glad you asked that, you know. You've mentioned that because I had a very specific question about that. Um, I've read Fire that. Away. Well, I've read the quote from Ian Botham several times. It's something along the lines of what gets printed was, that's yeah. it, the party's over, the game begins tomorrow. And I've listened to the podcast on which you appear, which is, as we've said, fantastic listening. Everybody remembers what he said differently including <laughs> they all get the gist of it. They all say the effect it had on them. What was actually said, you are from Gladstone, Mike Gatting, they all remember something slightly different. What's your actual memory of what he said? You know, I mean, I can picture, I can picture the meal. I can <laughs> picture sitting in the room and the, the cold, hard, facts of the actual speech um, have passed me by now, but I do remember in all seriousness that here was this, you know, legend of the game and, mm. and our, our, our lead player, if you like, standing up and using an awful lot of expletives uh, to the rest of his team to say, this is where the tour starts. The, the exact words I can't recall. Possibly but, the expletive, that's why people remember it differently. <laughs> possibly. I'm guessing. Uh, but for me, but for me, this was a man who had been to Australia a number of times, um, ha- wanted to succeed in the country, and, and he was uh, obviously from 1981, had a, a great record against Australia, but not necessarily in Australia. And I think he really wanted this team to, to gel together. As we... We had begun to do in the month leading up to it, but mostly off the field rather than on the field. And he wanted us to take the off-field uh, gelling to the on-field part. And uh, 
and he was going to lead the front. And certainly by his actions on the field, he he definitely led from the front in that first test match. And and the first test match in any series is massively crucial uh, because oh. in, in uh, Australia had just drawn a test series in India, so they were the favourites going into this uh, into this uh, test series. And and we needed to come out fighting. Well, you certainly you certainly did that in in Brisbane. Um, you'd actually there was a quote I'd read from you a while back about you know a lot of the acclimatising was about wine and social more than <laughs> than, than, than than the cricket at one point, uh, which makes me want to kind of ask you because there was so much going on around this tour. I mean, it, it, it is, that's this is why the podcast is such fun because you get a little bit of the sense of of that i mean but you had you know even from the build-up and the poor team of both uh, poor form of both teams you had the gower getting i'm in charge handover you had the return of ian both them after a brief sojourn away from the game um you had parting wine rum fancy dress francis edmonds following the tour and elton john was your team dj i think after melbourne and, and your cheerleader in chief i mean there's so much going on how as, as a comparative new boy but with so much responsibility of opening innings, how did you keep your own focus with everything there going on around you? Partly because I wasn't totally involved in in the party side of it. I was, and throughout my, you know, I, I've got a, a great friend, Phil Bainbridge, who, um, you know, he enjoyed the social side of cricket and, and I enjoyed drink, but, you know, my focus was mainly on uh, on the, uh, on the playing side of it, Phil had massive, massive more talent than I did, but I was boring, if you like, and I enjoyed playing cricket and and I couldn't play with, you know, any sort of ailment. So I, I needed to focus on on the job in hand. And obviously the disappointments of 84 of missing out on uh, on a tour, I was desperate to uh, do as well as I possibly could. And so my focus wasn't necessarily on a lot of late nights and drinking and socialising. It was doing what I needed to do and going out on the field of play and, and scoring runs. And, and so I think that was, that was my focus. And, and it just, yes, of course, you know, there were times when we would have a drink together and socialise and enjoy enjoy the tour, enjoy Australia as it was as a whole. But, um, you know, for me, it was, it was about doing enough socialising until that was it. And, and you, you move on to the next day's play and being able to, to do that. Well, I, well, something else you, you, I'd read in the past that you, 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 you described Mike Gatting as your sort of captain, get up and go, who loved a challenge. Um, Tell me a little bit, perhaps, about how he helped you as as captain, because ultimately, it, the team did focus. They knuckled down. They listened to Surya, who wasn't Surya, and I don't think at the time. Uh, and and you got that magnificent result, and you piled on runs, and 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 you did it. Um, tell me a little bit about how personally Mike Gatting helped steer you along. Well, I mean, cricket is a very funny sport in that. Uh, the captain has a, a massive influence over how the team gels together and plays. And, you know, in my career at county level and at international level, you know, it there are various ca- captains who you look at and who I 
look up to and respect. And obviously, you know, Mike had a, a, a great deal of respect from a number of people within the team. Yes, there have been captaincy changes at international level on a fairly frequent basis. Um, but for me, he was he was a, a, a Joe Soap type character, and a, a Mr. Average type character. He wasn't he wasn't a you know a, a, a highly educated individual uh, who uh, mixed with the hoi polloi. He was everyday sort of individual who who I could relate to, and um, and for me as a, a an ordinary player in the team, you know he would just give me some advice, words of advice and, and send me out on the field of play. And, uh, and, and I, I got the impression understood who I was. So, so for me, that was, that was a terrific thing. Well, I can, I can imagine as a, you know, comparative, I mean, you'd gone through, you know, it was at Sri Lanka and obviously the West Indies series as a comparative new, newish member of the team that, that, that was worth its weight in gold for you. So man of the series, those three, fantastic back-to-back tons um you got that award how much did that really mean how much does it still mean when you think back on that well you know when when i having played for knots uh and the previous season richard hadley had won the international cricketer of the year mm. it was uh, quite a feather in my cap not that I'm comparing myself to Richard in any way, shape or form, because for me, he was one of the best all-rounders in world cricket and will always go, go down as one of my all-time heroes uh, with tremendous talent. You know, I, I didn't have anywhere near the sort of abilities that he had, but to be able to walk into the dressing room the following summer and, uh, and say, oh, International Cricket of the Year. Yes, Richard, yes, it's easy, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, well, you it went was all on, a bit of fun. Well, uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's it's a bit of fun. You will keep with you forever. That's for sure. Absolutely, um, yeah. So after seven uh, tests, you know, uh, home tests and away, you 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 went. You carried on making runs. Um, you went on and made another ton against Australia, didn't you? In the nineteen eighty eight. Um, 19, yes, nineteen eighty eight bicentenary test. Um, yes. Did that have the same buzz? Yes. Ah, Very much good. so. Back at back at uh, at a venue that I knew uh, with pretty much the same sort of team against pretty much the same sort of opposition, and yes, it was. Uh, it you know it took me back uh, eight eight months to the previous Ashes, and uh, yeah, this was this was um, a place that I felt comfortable playing cricket in, and uh, right from the word go found the middle of the bat and and was enjoying myself so when it, it when it when kind of the, the your the england phase of your your career kind of came to an end did did you feel that there were international runs left unscored and that england were missing out when that happened i think a lot of people I, did I by the every, way i sorry i think a lot of people did think that. well i think any sportsman can look back at certain times of their careers and think you've left something out there. Mm. Um, I, I did, although I looked at my abilities and, and uh, you know, a number of people uh, questioned whether I had the, the ability to uh, score runs at this level. I had a limited technique. Most of my runs were scored between mid-off and square leg. Um, I had a bum that stuck out. Most people yes. were quite, quite 
quite uh, mentioned that I had a, an unusual stance. Um, you know, I wasn't a David Gower. I wasn't a, a you know a classical left-hander uh, a cricket player, but I and I, I had a great mental fortitude, and I believed in being out there and trying as as hard as I could to score as many runs as I could. And you know, Australia on those pitches against that bowling attack suited me at the time. And uh, you know, I'm I loved every moment of it. Well, and, and people love love watching it. Certainly, English people. I'm not sure about Australians, but English people certainly love mm. watching it. Um, it. It just brings me on to a couple more sort of questions. And um, you, know, you had a couple of fiery moments uh, in your career. Um, did those experiences help to inform your current approach in terms of understanding, particularly when you have to deal with tricky situations and fiery characters? Does it inform you to be to be better at what you do now? I'd like to. I'd like to hope so. I mean, I'm I'm passionate about this sport. I think this sport is um, an amazing sport. It's given me an amazing career, an amazing life, and is still giving me an amazing career and and life. And I am very passionate about how the game is played. And uh, and you know, there are times when I don't I don't do as well as I could, and I see players not doing as well as they could. And, and it gives me uh, an understanding of the, the pressures that these players are under out in the middle and, and an empathy towards them achieving a level that, uh, that they should do so that the next generation coming into the game are aware of where the standards lie. Well, that, that's, that's a, a great appraisal. I mean, let's let's just look ahead very briefly to the series coming up. Although um, it's seeming to be curiously English in terms of its weather, which might might work in England's England's favour. Um, yeah. I mean, one thing that you know, England have been working for a while on building up a pace attack, which has sort of fallen apart a bit. And you're back to great experience. Um, but you, are, how much are a role, of a role model is that eighty six and eighty seven team. I mean, you had Gladstone, Ian Botham, De Freitas, you had two spinners. Um, you didn't have, oh, great, you had Graham Dilley, of course, um, but you didn't have, you know, relentless pace. And yet you you, 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 you more than did did the job. It's a little mm. similarity there with, with perhaps uh, this England team. What, what can they learn from you and how will it, how will it serve them if they do? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think I, I know the England team have Troy Cooley uh, in their camp this Ashes series, which is going to be a massive boost to them. Uh, and you look at, um, you know, the greatest Australian fast bowler of recent time, Glenn McGrath. He wasn't anything out of the ordinary. He was someone who hit a line and length and the Kookaburra ball doesn't do a huge amount off the seam, but will do enough. So that if the likes of Ollie Robinson and Stewart and and Jimmy, if there is moisture around, can hit the lines and lengths that um, that are required, then there's no reason why they can't knock over uh, on paper a very strong Australian batting lineup. Well, no one's done Con- it at Brisbane you since know, you did. <laughs> well, that's right. Con- consequently, that you know there is a. Uh, 
a potential for England to back up someone like Joe Root in, in the side that they've picked. Um, most people are looking at it and going, you know, the Australian bowling attack is probably too strong for the top six. But, you know, with the likes of Bill Athey and myself and uh, James Whitaker came in and got some runs, there is opportunity for those lesser lights, if I can call them that, to, to um, stake their claim and uh, and get themselves into the Ashes lineup and and do a, a, a good job for the side. There's also a big, high-profile, charismatic all-rounder. There's a similarity as well, possibly, <laughs> providing he's, he's fit and raring to go between the and that's a, between and the that's two. a boost for the England and that's a boost for the England team uh, as a whole, certainly with ha- having Ben Stokes back. Yes, isn't it just okay? So I'm conscious of time now. Last question for you. Um, I don't know if it's like the Masters where you hand over something, but uh, you were man of the series. Who's your tip for man of the series this time round? Well, I'd like to say a certain Stuart Broad. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I think uh, it's there for, for anyone to put their hand up and grab, really, someone who is going to go and score a, a, a huge amount of runs or someone who's going to take an enormous amount of wickets. It's very difficult on, on both sides to be able to pick out one individual who is going to be the star. But, you know, maybe the fact that Ben Stokes has had a, a, a layoff and will be raring to go and is a, a proven quality batsman and bowler and fielder, of course. You know, he would possibly be my tip, but I don't want to put in any additional pressure on him for, uh, for that uh, no, recognition. No, I think we all feel, feel that way a wee bit. Well, um, a reminder to everybody that you can hear the story of the memorable 86-87 Ashes with Chris. Uh, plus Sirian Botham, Mike Gatting, David Gower, Alan Lamb, Glaston Small, Phil DeFreitas, Mickey Stewart, not to mention uh, Jeff Lawson and Alan Board uh, on the uh, Inside the Tour podcast series. Chris Broad, it has been a real pleasure chatting to you on Guerrilla Cricket. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your time. Guerrilla Cricket. Revolutionary, Revolutionary Cricket Commentary. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.